Well, it is day number three. John Combest, do you think we'd make it this far? Of course I did, Brad. I had all the faith in the world in both of us. Listen to you. No, no I have faith in you, but not in me. Uh, it is Wednesday. Um, I'm, you know, this is what's sort of interesting. Let's start off by talking about something that I don't think it's going to get much much press coverage, both local, national, regional, statewide, whatever. This is the 60th anniversary of something. Do you know what that is? Of course, it was the day that JFK was shot. Yes, exactly. And 60 years ago today, um, John F. Kennedy, our 35th president of the United States, was assassinated in Dallas. And I read an interesting article this morning. Um, Where's my phone at? Um, There's a guy that, interesting story, that was Russian, that grew, that knew him. Did you know the whole crazy backstory with his wife? Did you know all this crazy stuff with Oswald? No, I don't know that. Tell us. He was married to a Russian woman, and what's interesting was... who's the who here? uh, This is Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, okay, got it. And what's bizarre about the thing is the guy was either in the Army or in the Marines, and supposedly he did not do well in marksmanship. Now, once again, (laughs) there are lots of people that claim that the reason they think that there was more than one shooter is because the shot that was taken, there were actually three shots, were very difficult. And if you know anything about, if you ever been trap or skeet shooting, you know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah, I've I, I've done a little bit of shooting. You have to, uh, especially with with traps uh, with with skeet, where the the clay birds are coming left to right, right to left. Okay, and you have to learn to lead the target. The idea being is the target's moving, and if you keep your your sight right on the target and you pull the trigger, by the time the bullet or the in the case of like a shotgun in in tie and you know the load of of the shotgun shell goes to where the Claybird was when you pulled the trigger, if that makes any sense. But unfortunately, the trigger, the target has moved on. So in other words, you have to lead the target. It's the same thing they, they teach like in anti-aircraft school and things like that, where you have to lead the plane, that kind of stuff. Okay. It was a difficult shot. Anyway, the story is, and I'll send this to you. It's pretty interesting. It's on Fox News this morning. It's by a guy, and he must be relatively young. I mean, must be relatively old now, must be relatively young, because him and his father befriended... Um, leave Har- Harvey Oswald and his wife because they were Russian and he married a Russian woman who oh. could speak no English. And uh, it was a pretty interesting story. He's essentially saying that all these conspiracy theories, they're all just baloney. The guy, and there's a, there's a part in the story where I'm thinking to myself, I never heard about this. Supposedly he tried to murder the same kind of thing with with a supposedly with the same rifle tried to kill a retired air force or a army general as at his house or something did you ever know about this crazy no i never heard anything about that i did i never heard of any of this either i'm going like okay i don't i've never heard any of this stuff i'll send you i have a, i have a feeling there's just so much there that we haven't heard of though well, you know like you would have to dive pretty deep to get all these details you know the crazy thing about it is sometimes you look at things and you make them much more complicated than they really are. And sometimes you look at things and they look simple and they're really complicated. <laughs> you know and that could be one of them. You know what now, I'm saying? Despite the fact, Brad, that I'm a, that I'm a Generation X guy, I'll, I'll be a millennial here and make the story all about me. Uh, the guy, when, when Jack Ruby approached Lee Harvey Oswald and shot him, the, one of the gentlemen that was standing there was a longtime police detective named B.H. Combest, 
who is, I presume, a distant, distant, distant Texas relative of mine. And he had the famous quote, and I won't say it on the air, or the FCC would get mad. But he famously yelled, Jack, you son of a gun. And uh, so the name B.H. Combest was immortalized in the Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald story. Well, because he knew he knew uh, he knew Jack Ruby. Wasn't that the story? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack Ruby ran what the strip clubs around there. Right. All the cops and detectives obviously knew him. He was, as my police dispatching uh, uh, a heritage would say, he was a known character. That was uh, no. Yeah, he was definitely a character back <laughs> well, in the Dallas well, days. That was the the term we used. Like if like if we were describing to an officer that we knew this guy had been arrested before or had many uh, brushes with the law, we would describe him as a known character. Which yeah. translated to the police officer, yeah, this guy's a if you a watch piece of work. Well, if you you ever watch. Uh, do you ever watch um, um, Bosch on? You ever see Bosch on on um, on Prime? No, I don't know what that is. Bosch is probably one of the, and I'm going to turn you on to this, and it's sort of interesting. I've done this to three or four people, and I've told them, I said, you got to watch this series. Um, it started like seven or eight years ago, and it's probably the best police detective series ever. And it follows a guy. His real name is Harmonious Bosch. And everybody calls him Harry Bosch. And he's a, a detective, works in the Hollywood division in Los Angeles, a, a, a homicide. And um, let's say he follows the rules, but he bends them quite a bit. Right, okay. And the idea being is that he is bending the rules because the rules are really prohibiting him from finding the real killer. And in almost every situation, when he bends the rules, he does end up with the the perp the actual person that you know per- perpetrated the crime or whatever murder typically they're all murders it's pretty interesting and gotcha. he calls people s birds <laughs> that's his favorite term oh i see if, I see if you are a bad guy you're an s bird now go back to the thing i know who you're talking about uh, what was his name again what was what, his, obviously his name was combest what was his first yeah, name bh i think he just went by his his uh, first by his initials, B.H. Combest. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he was the big, burly, hulky-looking yeah, guy. he was the portly gentleman. Right, yes. with with the, the ranger hat on, right? He yep, had, like, the cowboy exactly hat. Right. right. Yep. And he's the guy that, in that one photograph, is immortalized where he's got this look in his face like O.S., right? Yeah, like, and, and it's the one where where Oswald is doubled over in pain. Right, 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 right. It's just after the shot. You know, what's crazy about that is you go back and look at that kind of stuff, and nowadays, if they transport somebody out in the public, they put a bulletproof vest on them. Oh, well, of course. And, and they don't, you know, they would, they would take, obviously, a whole lot of security measures right. than they, more than they did 60 years ago. And like most of the courthouses now, a perfect example is St. Louis County and St. Charles County. The courthouse is across the street from the jail, and they have a separate entrance which goes between, it's not a public entrance, it, and there's that sky bridge that crosses yep. over yep. Central Avenue and Clayton. And the same thing if you go to the courthouse in uh, St. Charles County, the courthouse is on one side of 2nd Street and yep. the jail's on the other side and there's the, the, like, it's like a sky bridge kind of thing, crosses over so that they're never really outside. Now, I guess uh, in, in, the, in the form of St. Louis County, have you ever walked that sky bridge before? I haven't, no. I, or if I have, I don't remember. I, have I did co- not do it as a prisoner, I promise. <laughs> well, see, what's interesting about it is, and a lot of people don't... God, I'm, I'm going to show what a what a legal nerd I am, too. Um, 
everybody thinks all the courtrooms are in the the courthouse. There are courtrooms in the jail. Did you know that? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're all it's I, much more convenient. Right, right, right. But but they're but sometimes why do I know this? Because <laughs> I got a ticket once in Wildwood. <laughs> Of course you did. did. You were speeding down 109. You were doing your Shelly Bar impression. No, I was on. Flouting traffic I was on 100. you thought you could just go straight down 109 and you were probably speeding. Am I right? I was on 100. Okay, close enough. And a guy passed me in a no passing zone. Matter of fact, coming down the hill there, if you know where, you know where Stovall's is, is that, is that a reference that you would know? Uh, is that, is it near 109 and 100? No, it's, it's way west of that. Matter of fact, Stovall's is. Then no, I, I generally don't, I, I'm not, I don't take 100 that far west right there. I, there was a running gag that I used to pull on Shelly all the time. I used to play Brooks and Dunn, and I played the song Boot Scoot and Boogie. And, oh, yeah. And I'm going to pull back the curtain, and I would always say, Shelly, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Brooks and Dunn were construction workers, and they were worked for, they worked for Fred Weber Construction Company, and they were on that project working on Highway 100, and that song is about Stovall. Stovall's is this little tiny, like, literally like a honky-tonk that has been around for decades, and you know, back in the day, it was in the middle of nowhere. Now it's in, shall we say, Tony Tony Wildwood, and yep. it's still a throwback. If if you ever want to have an interesting night, just go out to Stovall's. I mean, it's one of these things. I've been there, I don't know, two or three times, and every time I go, I haven't been there in a long time, probably 10, 12 years or something like that. Anyway, I don't know how I got talking about that, but that was my crazy thing. I was kid with 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 uh, Shelly. Now. You yesterday, I've got some questions for you. Okay, and by the way, this this is the uh, BJShow.co. Although that website is not going anywhere right now, uh, this is John Combest. John Combest. First off, let's get the top three. Let's do this every day. Let's do this as the ritual. John does a website, JohnCombest.com. Common spelling of John, C-O-M-B-E-S-T.com. And every day since what was the date? October of 2021. That's correct. He publishes a website that lists almost every single news item. If you are a political junkie, and even if you're not, he publishes the links. It's like an aggregation site where if you want to find out what's going on with Mike Kehoe running for governor, he's got links on there. You want to find out what crazy stuff Bill Eigel did yesterday? He's got links on there, right? That's exactly right. So what are the the top three stories today? We'll start with with one that we'll probably get deeper into, which is I had the privilege of being on Scott Fawn's this weekend, Missouri politics midweek update yesterday. Um, and we talked a, a, a bit about this yesterday, but Scott Fawn is the publisher of the Missouri Times newspaper. And he also runs a weekly television show. He does a weekly, uh, it, usually one time a week, He'll do a midweek update. He'll have a featured guest on to talk about what's happening in Missouri politics. And I was uh, on the show yesterday. So the top link today, I I linked to uh, the YouTube video. It's about a 40, 45 minutes where Scott and I cover uh, the major topics going on in Missouri politics. So that's the top one. Do you want to dive into that now or do you want to wait? Well, and you you talked to uh, talked about us a little bit. Absolutely. Well, let's 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 come back to that one because I got I I know you're good friends with Scott Fawn. I have some Scott Fawn questions. Okay. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> and then and then secondly, I linked to a story. Uh, there's a, a popular radio station down in Springfield. Brad, are you getting a little bit of feedback from my microphone? I'm not. Do you? Do you oh, okay, are you hearing good. something? If it's, as long as it's on my end, that's no, that's all no, that matters. No, I'm hearing nothing. Uh, so, a radio station in Springfield, KWTO. 
which stands for Watching Over the Ozarks. Keep watching the Ozarks. There's a former speaker of the Missouri House, Elijah Farr, has a really popular show down there. And someone who Brad and I both know, a woman named Camelia Peterson with Missouri, with Americans for Prosperity, did an interview where she talked a little bit about uh, what's generally known as education reform, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it, it, more plainly it's school choice and the ability of parents to send their kids to whatever public school they so choose. So Camelia talked a little bit about that on Elijah's show. And um, another interesting thing, <coughs> excuse me, um, usually, you know, Brad pointed out that I link to all Missouri stuff. Usually I don't link to stories that are just about city politics or county politics because that would make the website way too long for Missouri folks. But in this case, I did link to a story about the St. Charles County, City County Library finally removed a controversial book from their bookshelves. And without getting us in trouble, Brad, the book was an instructional guide for having um, mail-on-mail activity. I, and it was called uh, – the word that they used was bang. It was called bang like a uh, adult star. I'm, I'm censoring it there. Oh, it, but it was on the St. Charles County Library shelves – and is now officially removed thanks to some parental objection. I link to it because there's this idea that Missouri state government is seeking to ban books or tell librarians what they can and cannot do. So I thought it was a, a relevant link there. So those are the, those are really the top three most interesting things on the website today. Well, now, that was the situation where both uh, Steve El Elman and Dan Borgmeyer, who's the mayor of St. Charles City, came out against that wasn't that the situation when you when you said they came out against it what do you mean oh, they came out against the book oh no yeah they were they were wanting it right they were wanting yeah. it pulled pulled they were both very upset about the whole situation yeah exactly right so it's just you know and i think we'll see many more cases of this in in small communities where you'll have a few activists who will intentionally raise the profile of controversial books so that you know they they can do their they can do their media hits on progressive outlets talking about why conservatives are trying to censor news now and so books. so what you just said is you're essentially saying that there's a plan here is that what you're saying mr combest oh absolutely <laughs> and you know the, the beauty of being a progressive in missouri is the ability to manufacture a controversy and have a very willing progressive media amplify that controversy well and, and you know what god I could tell stories uh, about, you know, through my years in the business, and once again, I can talk a little bit about it because I have both a bachelor's and a master's degree in journalism, which are essentially worthless nowadays. But there are so many crazy things that happen in newsrooms. You know, like, for example, I'll give you an example of the fact that um, for a long time, it hasn't happened recently, but for a long time, the media in general had a thing against American-made cars. If you had, interesting. If you had a Ford or a Chevy or a Chrysler, it was a junker, you know. And 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 the interesting part of it was, whenever there was a recall on Ford or Chevy, uh, it was like the lead story, on, especially on a lot of the local stations, because at the time, if you go back in history, we had all three plants here in St. Louis. We had a Ford plant up in Hayeswood. We had the, actually two Chrysler plants down in Fenton, and then we had the the General General Motors plant out in Wentzville. Now we only have one, but Ice to do Ice was on the air on uh, Channel Two. I did. 
uh, my traffic reporting back in the day. I was actually on air in the mornings on Channel 2 and Channel 4. I started off at Channel 2. And at the time, Channel 2 was right there in Hampton, just south of Highway 40, where the Mercedes-Benz dealership is now, if you know what I'm talking about. And they had their studios and everything right there. Matter of fact, they, they had part of the tower that was still there. And that was, I don't know if you know the history of that, that tower was knocked over. That was the original Channel 2 tower, Channel 2 transmitting tower. I didn't know that. And no. the tower was knocked over by the tornado that hit the that hit the old dome, that hit the, the you know, the, the arena. And, and if you went to the arena, I remember as a kid still going there, and you would look up at the roof, you could see old wood and new wood because the top of the, of the arena was made out of wood. And you could see where it had been replaced and, and patched and stuff like that. So anyway, if I went to the Channel 2 um, studios... And keep in mind, the parking lot was for only them because they were so, they were on a little little street that came off of Hampton, and they had their own parking area. So the only people who would park in that parking lot were news people and uh, and staff, you know, staffers and things like that. But there was one particular area which all the news people parked in, and I always got a kick out of the fact that there were never any American cars there. It was all Interesting. Hondas yeah. and Toyotas and things like that. So in other words, to a certain extent. The journalist bias, if you drive a Toyota and you drive a Honda, you're not going to cover the fact that Honda just had a recall on 42,000, you know, Accords or something like that. But when Chrysler or Chevy or Ford came out, well, there's another recall from Ford. And my son, my oldest son, at one point in time, he lives in Pensacola, Florida. At one point in time, he worked in the parts department for a Toyota dealership in Florida. And he told me some incredible stories about, he says, you know how everybody thinks the Toyotas, and I'm not here to bash Toyotas. I owned a couple Toyotas, um, and they were great cars. But the idea being is that they never have any problems. They never break down. It's just BS. And he would tell me stories about certain models of cars, relatively new. Some of them were current model cars, the current you know year cars, where they had to stock at least five complete engines in the parts department because... People would come in with 20,000, 30,000 miles on their relatively new, you know, Toyota engine blown up. Yep. And it wasn't anything they did. You know, it wasn't maintenance issues. It was a defect. And he'd tell me there were certain problems with a couple of the Toyota motors, the, the V8 motors, which drove the mechanics nuts. They were very hard to work on. And there were parts that, you know, when he's manager, when he got hired on, his manager says, okay, you're in charge of. And they had a whole list of all these parts that would pre- prematurely fail on Toyotas. But... Nobody would ever tell that story because of the fact that... But the bottom line is, if you have something that's mechanical and it has moving parts, I don't care who makes it, at some point, it's going to fail. You know what I mean? That's just... Now, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, now, and now, how big... You, you follow this closely. What's the chasm now between uh, foreign-made cars? I mean, so w- what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years? It's like, still, I mean... It's, you wouldn't look at a foreign car now and say that it's less quality than a domestic car, well, right? Well, now, see, now it's interesting because you, we can bring in the, 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 the Kia and the Hyundai thing into the mix because they didn't have immobilizers on the car. That's why they got all stolen. You know, somebody showed that on TikTok. That was the TikTok yeah. challenge where they show you how to pull the, the little, there's a little plastic part, and you went into the lock mechanism, and you popped out the lock mech- mechanism. As a matter of fact, the reason, and when I first heard this, I thought to myself, why are they why are they using a USB cord? Because they I thought it was some kind of electrical hack where they were like yeah, plugging. Yeah. They were using if you have like the what is that the A the A side of your USB cord which has the like the flat connector which has like a, a slot in it. They were using that to turn the switch once they broke out the lock cylinder. 
So the interesting. F- I didn't know how that worked. You <laughs> clearly watched a lot of the of the TikTok or the too, what do they call the Kia boys on I'm, TikTok. Right. You're I'm clearly an expert on this. Product. I'm too much of a nerd on this kind of stuff. That yeah. was what they did because most people. And this was the interesting thing. Most people had that in their car. They had it plugged into, you know, they would, they would, they would, you know, drive their car and they would charge their phone or whatever their device was, and they had it, you know, because they had a USB port in the dashboard. So most people had the cord right there, and wow, if they didn't, that's convenient. That's right, really convenient. They would use their own cord. They would use the, you know, the car owner's own cord to steal the car. And all they did was they would take, pull this piece of plastic off. They would go in through with a screwdriver. They would pop out the lock cylinder. And they would take the USB cord and stick it like as a mechanical, sw- you know, like a mechanical switch to turn yeah. the ignition switch. And because they didn't have any immobilizer, and the immobilizer is what they call the PATS key, which stands for Passive Anti-Theft System, which essentially is the thing that if you don't, you know, you've got that little chip in the key, and if the if the computer doesn't recognize that the proper chip is in the key and the proper code, it won't start the car. Well, the older you know, up until I think a couple of years ago, the uh, the cheaper Hyundai's and Kias did not have the the what they call the Pats or the are the mobilizer system. So once you broke the lock, it was like back in the old days. You know, back in the old days yeah. when when you used to have the the um, the ignition in the, in the dashboard. A lot of people go, "What? The ignition switch was in the dashboard? Yeah, it was in the dashboard." All they do is they take a hammer and a punch, and they would just take the, the you know put the punch into the ignition switch and literally punch out the ignition switch. It would fall under the dashboard and you just take the wires and you played with the wires and away the thing would go that's you know i'm reminded right now brad of there's a great show there's a great sketch on the Chappelle show on dave Chappelle's comedy show where a classroom brought in a drug addict to talk to kids about not doing drugs right and he unfortunately gave very specific directions on how to purchase drugs <laughs> i feel like someone who just tuned in to listen to us this morning had no idea they would hear a step-by-step from brad exactly well, how to steal a john kid. it's no secret because it's all <laughs> over tiktok and you can watch it on youtube i mean it's everywhere yeah and you know what i first learned about this thanks to our st louis city mayor tashara jones suggesting that that the car companies will need to blame for carjackings well you know the sad part of it is to a certain extent i i'll have to admit she well well see there's a don't we're running late here let me give you my explanation of why carjackings have exploded because and once again this is not me i've heard this from experts because i'm by far not the expert on anything but and it's really sort of interesting why carjackings have exploded and the reason for that it's shelly and i used to kid about this all the time it's my favorite law the law of unintended consequences yes yes that, you, you talked about this on the bs show yeah but, but the new law, listeners have not heard this the law of unintended consequences where you do one thing and you go like we fixed it and you cause three other problems we're running along and that's my fault we have to take a break at seven twenty-eight. 